eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein, who I officially met in the flesh <laughs> this past weekend. How weird. I mean, I think Twitter loved it, Perry. I think Twitter loved finally seeing us together. The weirdest part was that it wasn't weird. Yeah. It literally felt like we had hung out a billion times before, which I guess we kind of have. I was going to say, we hang out every week on uh, either the live shows or the podcast. So today... We thought we'd do a little bit of an over-under prediction episode instead of doing what we talked about kind of the last couple weeks where we thought about whether guys are going to progress or make, you know, a little bit of a regression statistically, which seems very likely with some of the impressive numbers we saw. This this week we'll do an over-under. So let's get started right away with, I guess, I think the player I'm most excited about to see in Green Bay's offense this year, A.J. Dillon, over-under 600 rushing yards and six touchdowns. Yeah. So before we dive into this one, I just want to say, I love that we're doing this because I feel like we don't ever really talk about sports betting or anything. And I I think when you hear about over unders, that's like typically what you're thinking about. I got into it a little bit this past season. It's just kind of fun. I think like you and I have obviously a lot of knowledge about football. So it's like fun to maybe win some money. Not that I do (laughs) often, but I was thinking of this in the, in the sense of like, how probable are these exactly at this? at the at this level right so like it's really probable that AJ Dillon will be around 600 rushing yards and six touchdowns it's not the craziest thing to think about now I think it depends on how much they split his touches with Aaron Jones but we saw that he could go off for over 100 yards and two touchdowns in a single game and so then you add in an additional game this year in 17 games, which is an additional game late in the season in January at Lambeau. I think that all adds to up to me, like AJ Dillon will be more of the workhorse during that extra game. So I'm actually going to say over. 
Yeah, no, I'm absolutely in agreement with you. I say over. And the reason I say that is mostly because if you look at Jamal Williams stats as kind of RB2 last season, he was right around 500. And I know he had more receiving touchdowns and made a little bit of an impact there more so than rushing. If AJ Dillon is the second guy, and this is no disrespect to Aaron Jones, but we've seen him have a little bit of an injury history the first couple seasons. It is challenging for him to play a full season. And if he needs any type of rest week, like you say, in the cold going into the final weeks of the season at Lambeau Field, that's when you let Quadzilla yeah. and the Quadfather take over. And yeah, I I think 600 is low for him. And the six touchdowns too can be receiving or rushing. I, I didn't specify there. It's just six total. So I guess that even leads me to think it'd be over as well. But yeah, I mean, AJ Dillon by all accounts, I think everyone expects him to have more production than Jamal Williams. That's obviously what the Packers are expecting because they drafted him and let Jamal walk in the off season. So based off what we've seen, I think something I think about also, which he mentioned once in a presser, and then we can move on to our next one is um, that running back is such a rhythm position yeah. and that it's hard to get into a rhythm and actually like be somewhat disruptive when you're not, when you're taking, you're in like for five snaps a game. So we saw what he can do when he's in, in a significant amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we saw like he had little glimpses, especially in the passing game. He'd get like one rep and then go back to the sideline. And exactly. I'm excited to see him kind of build momentum. Cause I think the Titans game is a good example of that. Will every game he plays look like that? Absolutely not. But it does kind of show you what he can look like and how he can impact an offense. So let's flip to the defense. We can kind of flip flop back and forth. Maybe um, Jair Alexander, you came up with this one. Of course you did the certified cornerback stand. And I think it's, I think it's a really good one uh, under 100 receiving yards allowed. Yes or no? Yeah. A hundred percent. This was, I was debating whether or not to make this lower, but I felt like a hundred's a really nice, even number. Um, I mean, number one, arguably one of number one cornerback in the league. I think PFF ranked him at number one, like neck and neck with Jalen Ramsey, just absolutely shut down, locked down, barely gave up any yards if, if at all during a game. So I don't see any reason why he won't have a repeat performance of just an absolute kind of stud um, lockdown half of the side of the field uh, in this next season as he takes another jump you've seen what Joe Barry has been able to do and kind of work with, with some of his cornerbacks. And then you get another year with Jerry gray. Um, and I imagine uh, just a repeat performance from Jair. The only thing that you can knock about his game at this point is his lack of interceptions. But again, no one's throwing him the, the ball his way. So I don't even see a world in which he does allow a hundred receiving yards because no one's going to throw the ball his way. The only thing that I think about with this, I do think it'll also be under, but if he does get utilized in that star role at all, I mean, Jair's quick and I think he can cover the middle of the field really well, but I could see him giving up yardage unintentionally mm-hmm. on some of those crossers. If there's like a natural pick or something built in. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily a testament to him and his skill level as much as just if you're playing that star role, I think that's kind of where you can give up some of your yards, but it is interesting because I wrote a, I I don't know if it was bold. I don't really think any of them were that bold predictions article for Cheesehead TV. And one of the things I said was that Jair finally gets first team all pro after this season. And I think, you know, 
giving up less than 100 receiving yards would go a long way in his campaign to doing that if he can do it for a second straight season. So right yeah, now we're I'm in agreement. thinking now like how feasible that is for a cornerback. Like I think less than 100 receiving yards in a season is pretty hefty um, or a tall order rather is, is what I mean. But I just, I really see him being able to do that. Um, and there was a time in Jalen Ramsey's career, I think I'm looking here in 20. 19 with Jacksonville before he was traded when he only gave up 147. So it's possible. Yeah. And if anybody can do it, it'll be the guy that has his own Island. I think. Yeah. No flat, no fly zone. (laughs) I thought you said no flex, which also fits, but no fly zone as well. Um, All right. Moving on. This is another interesting one. You came with all the really good, thoughtful discussion and I came with like the really basic ones but uh, Jordan Love live snaps 50 under center over or under yeah I threw this one in here because I thought maybe we could have like a tiny little discussion about Jordan Love and the way he's looked at camp and kind of the Aaron Rodgers situation um, because Jordan Love wasn't even active last year right he took not a single snap um, it was Tim Boyle doing the kneel downs. And I added here, you know, not including kneel downs. This is like real actual snaps. And my thought process behind this one was really like, okay, let's say Aaron Rodgers does come back. You know, we saw Tim Boyle take some reps in the fourth quarter, right, when when the Packers were winning. Um, so I think that it is possible if, if Aaron Rodgers comes back that Jordan Love will have about, you know, around 50 snaps with the offense. I'm saying over for both of them because of that. And because if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, you're looking at QB one. So I think that we're going to see Jordan love in some level of meaningful snaps in live games this season. I think that's really interesting. Cause I'm going to take the under, I'm going to say that I think, I think Jordan love, you know, and it's hard to tell because of camp, we're not there, but based on what we're hearing, he's made a lot of progress from last season. I absolutely think that, He'll be QB two on the game day roster if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. I think if you were counting preseason snaps, yes, he'll take the over because I think he should rightfully get the bulk of preseason snaps. But if we're talking about in-game action, the only way I see him eclipsing 50, unless we're counting maybe kneel downs, is if he's the starter. And I am still very much thinking that Aaron Rodgers comes back. And I am too. I also was thinking about, you know, having the idea that there's an extra game. So yeah, let's true. Say the 17th game means nothing for the Packers. They yeah. lose or win. They've solidified their spot in the playoffs. They want to rest their starters. Jordan Love could get an entire game. So there's a number of different ways that we could really see him um, take meaningful snaps under center. Yeah, I really like that. I so Okay, so not, not to completely like deter or derail the episode, but curiosity's sake now we, we always kind of look at 10 and six as like the bar to get in the playoffs where like you win 10 games you kind of think you have a shot or you can at least get a wild card to you is it now 10 and seven or do you need an 11th game is it 11 and six like what to you going into the season is like you're hit this bar you probably make the playoffs 10 and seven you think so yeah yeah I think 10 games double digit games to me is the is the threshold yeah because see you're that's also interesting. Gonna get, you're, you're also gonna get teams that go nine and eight that I think make the playoffs. 
Yeah, because to me, I mean, I think, and maybe it's just what we saw last season with, you know, the way that the NFC West was so stacked and we're seeing now maybe the AFC West can be like that. The AFC North is really stacked. Um, to me, it's 11 and six. So I'm curious to see now what that what that 17th game does, because I love evenness and the fact that we can't have like a perfect eight and eight season is going to make yeah. me a little bit insane, but maybe we'll get like an eight, eight and one and that'll do something for my brain. Yeah, I like, I'm an even number kind of person. Also, I think that makes sense. Both you and I are type A, Um, (laughs) but I'm never going to complain about extra football, especially if it Mm -hmm. means, you know, us getting to see some guys that we wouldn't normally see in a 16 week season. Yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely ready for some more playoff football in the snow at Lambeau. I've been to enough regular season snowy games that it's time to get there for some really shitty weather games and I'm, I'll just I'll make it work <laughs> obviously love the home Lambo games too because they always give the Packers like three of the four games at home in December which I will never complain about because it's a major it's one of the last I think home field advantages oh yeah and at, I mean at first when the schedule came out and I was like oh really I got a you know Christmas as the Packers yeah. Browns the more the closer it gets the more hype I really am that like what, what a memory and what an experience, but yeah, you know, now right. that we've, I was going to say now that we've gone entirely <laughs> off the rails, um, Eric Stokes will start nine games for the Packers in 2021 over under over okay. heavy on the over heavy on the over heavy on the over. Um, and again, I'm not the kind of person who reads too much into camp, especially right now. It's like not the ones on offense that anybody's going up against. It's very early in the season. Um, but I am, I'm, I have my money on Stokes. I think that the Packers brought back Kevin King as insurance. Granted, it was pretty expensive insurance, expensive but insurance. <laughs> insurance or maybe something goes wrong in the draft, but they drafted a first round pick and you're seeing more and more these days. And again, rookie corners are, you know, they have their learning curve, but, and I expect that Kevin King will start, but I, Um, I'm definitely in the camp of Stokes looks good. Um, He's, you know, making plays. He's flying around. He's obviously learning the playbook, kind of honing in on his speed and agility. There's things that he needs to work on. I just don't see it taking an entire full season for him to be out there as a starter. I think that he surpasses Kevin King. And by the second half of the season, Stokes is starting on the boundary. And if he's not starting on the boundary, then he could potentially be in there as um, a nickel kind of slot guy. So no matter what, you know, let's say he starts second half of the season on the boundary and first half of the season, he starts a couple of games, um, in this, in that slot or star role, then, then you have, you know, over nine, nine games started already. Yeah. And I think the interesting part about this is I agree with you. I think it'll be over, but there's also a part of me that can see in certain packages and Joe Barry's defense, Jair being the star and it being Stokes and King as the starting boundaries, even if they like rotate in and out of that. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I I think Stokes has the size um, and the speed to be on the boundary. I I don't actually necessarily think that he, his skill set lends itself to, um, to a slot role. I, I agree. I, he's very much more of a boundary corner, which is good. That's what the Packers need. Um, I just, I think that if he continues to develop the way it sounds like he's developing, he's turning himself into like a bona fide starter. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think I almost included this in the predictions article I wrote, but I didn't know if it felt like a gimme or not. We talk about, you know, Jair Island and, probably giving up less than a hundred receiving yards or close to it 
potentially in the first team all pro conversation. And you would think like that means that somebody like Eric Stokes, whoever's opposite will have interception opportunities because the ball likely will be thrown their way. I almost said that I thought Kevin King would have at least two picks because of that, but didn't work in 2020, right? Like he still just gave up yardage and reception. So I know this is not, I guess, fully the question, but what do you think maybe like a rookie season campaign for Eric Stokes could look like with interceptions or passes defensed? That's a good question. I think that if he starts more than nine games, he gets, you know, one or two. His picks in college weren't necessarily like they weren't necessarily right place, right time. They were actually very much like him making a move. Yeah, like being in good coverage and going for the ball. He he seems like the kind of guy who has an eye and a nose for the ball. Um, but at the same time, I don't rest my um idea of success for him on those stats right because you know there are a lot, I think a lot of corner play is making sure nothing happens right just being in you know being in good coverage um and and not having the ball thrown his way but at the same time for a rookie I'm playing devil's advocate for my own argument <laughs> rookie you're probably going to get targeted because you're a rookie um and he will probably make mistakes but because of that it'll also give him the opportunity to make plays so yeah, I mean, I would love a pick or two. I don't think that's out of the realm of a possibility, nor do I think a couple of PBUs either. Uh, it's just more likely, let's say it in my scenario in my head, if he ends up, you know, surpassing Kevin and it is him on the boundary and Jair on the boundary, you know, he, he he's going to get those targets because Jair is not. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the way that you played devil dad, devil's advocate for all of that. But, I mean, it is something to think about. You know, we talked about on this very show multiple times that Jair's rookie campaign wasn't without its bumps and bruises. That's kind of the growing pains. But I think what makes Eric Stokes such an intriguing option is he has the speed to make up for some of that, where we haven't necessarily seen that from a guy like Kevin King. Right. So, you know, he he maybe will have more opportunities because... I know, and I thought this was really interesting from the Jerry Gray presser, the idea that he has guys wear, wear boxing gloves so that you have to rely on your feet and your movement instead yes. of, like, getting grabby. But that's, I guess that's a conversation for another. And I think, <laughs> I think the last thing I'll say with Stokes is that, you know, there's 40-time speed and then there's game speed. Yes. And I think that was the knock with Kevin King, which was he had, like, a pretty decent 40-time mm -hmm. speed. But you watch him in games and he's not a speedster. You watch Stokes in games and that guy is fast. And if Everywhere. he makes a mistake, he can catch up. Not that that's what you want, but he has the ability to. Um, I think that that is what he brings over Kevin King. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. The season can start tomorrow, but we, we still have more over-unders to do. I think we're, we're kind of sticking with the defense because I think, you know, we talked about this. The offense was number one overall, so there's naturally going to be some regression. You don't think they're going to finish first overall again. So keeping it with the defense, let's talk about Preston Smith. Over-under seven sacks for him. This one is the hardest one for me to think about. I want to say, because I think he's going to be right around seven. I think so too. I think you it'll know, be like, like exactly be like yeah. seven and a half or six and a half. Um, and my, my thought process with Preston is I think he's now edge three. I think Rashawn is going to get more snaps than he is. Agreed. So naturally a little bit less of an opportunity, but again, his entire contract is based off incentives. And so when you get someone in the building, and I, I don't think that the fire is gone from Preston at all. 
you know, and then you add in that monetary aspect to it, which was very smart from the Packers, you're going to get Preston out there like hungry. I think the other thing I think about with Preston is, and it's been talked about a decent amount is how he kind of has an every other season where you saw it with Washington as well, where one season he'd have double digit sacks, the next he would be lower. And so if you're looking at patterns in his playing, then you're looking at, okay, he had a really strong first year with the Packers, a not as strong second year. So then you would think that his third year would be stronger. So now that I've talked out all of my thoughts, I'm going to go over. <laughs> yeah, I, this is tough because, you know, if you joined our Twitch live, which we'll talk about at the end of the show, I said that the floor for Rashawn Geary was eight sacks. I think Zadarius Smith is still a, a, still a 10 sack player, you know, I, he's a double-digit sack guy to me, and he's obviously edge one. So to say that between those two, you're going to have at least 18 sacks, like what does that leave for Preston? But the more we talk about it, I really think that in Joe Barry's defense, it will be the over. And we've even seen, you know, a little bit from Preston on social media and Zadarius. Like I think that all of them know Preston is better than his 2020 season, and I think he's hungry to prove that. He came in leaner, which we know Joe Barry likes for his defense. I think we'll see a lot of the three of them on the field at the same time, which will lead to potentially a Z or Rashawn double team. So I think there's going to be opportunities for all of them, and it wouldn't surprise me if between that trio, they're looking at like a 30, 35 sacks for that room. Yeah, you also have to factor in Kenny, because no matter who is getting double teamed any one of those four is going to get home not yeah. that that plays into this over under at all but just the idea that, that <laughs> way. Is pretty nasty yeah so I mean I guess kind of rounding this out then we've stayed on the defense for enough time but ending the 2020 season you know the Packers were 13th of 32 teams in points against they gave up 23.1 points per game so the over under here then do the Packers give up more than 23.1 points per game or less in the 2021 season under Joe Barry? This surprised me so much because I don't think we thought that the Packers defense was this good. Um, 23.1 points per game is pretty low. So red zone defense. Yeah. Yeah. It's the red zone. It's a bend. Don't break. I want to say I'm going to split this in two. So I'm going to say that the Packers end the season higher in DVOA, higher than 13th, um, but potentially with just more points allowed per game. And the reason that I say that is because I think Joe Barry has the tools to make this defense a more cohesive unit, like use the chess pieces in the right way. But offense right now is king in the NFL. And the Packers have a really hard schedule. And they're going up against powerhouses like the Chiefs. So I would imagine that they might let up more points, but this is all relative to the rest of the league. Um, and this isn't really a defense-heavy you know, league. There aren't many dominant defenses anymore. So they'll be higher up in terms of DVOA, but still allowing more than 23.1 points. Yeah, I think you said it really well. I mean, I think the defense holistically will be more successful while allowing more points per game. But we're also then assuming that the Packers are still like top five in offense. I don't think the drop off from the number one offense in the league will shift that much unless, you know, maybe there's a QB one change, but that's not what the show is about. We're not talking about that. 
Um, so I do. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of the games that are on the schedule and there's some really intriguing offenses. And I think that's kind of how we'll measure the defense more so than the statistic, you know, or the statistics behind the defense where like, how do the Packers contain Lamar Jackson? How do they match up in the winter against, uh, Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Like there's a lot of questions that I think we'll get answers to. And that'll be the telltale sign because we saw obviously the Packers handled the Titans pretty well last season. And then that wasn't necessarily incumbent of how everything else would go for the rest of the playoffs. So exactly. Yeah. And it's less, I think the, the bend don't break thought process has now left. Yes. Patton. So you bring in a guy like Joe Barry, who's not like that. He's like, no, no, we're, we're doing neither. Um, (laughs) And I like his energy a lot. This is not a uh, Joe Barry conversation, but I like, I like what I've seen from him so far from his pressers. And I like what I've seen in minor, minor levels of footage uh, of OTAs, uh, just the way that he interacts with the players. He looks like the kind of guy that you could rally around. Yeah, I mean, I know that I, I do like the Joe Barry hire for what it is. I like the defense, uh, the scheme he'll bring to the defense, but it can't be said enough that I would run through multiple walls for uh, Mike Smith, who, you know, showed up to his presser missing a tooth, like that guy. I mean, that's how you make a nasty edge rush unit. You also promote Jerry Gray to defensive passing coordinator, yes. which I think cannot be understated enough because, again, like – you're going to get some yards on the ground, but where you end up in terms of what we're looking at, like points allowed, that's from passing. Like this is a passing league. Um, and so I'm really curious and excited to see what Joe, Joe Barry, they have the same names. I'm sorry. What Barry <laughs> Gray can do now that he oversees the entire secondary and sort of passing defense. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And this was fun. I mean, I think we could have honestly done over under scenarios for just about every person on the team. So before we wrap up the mailbag episode where people can hear what we think about their over unders. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I was going to say, are there any over unders you want to plug or, you know, hit on before we wrap up, but anybody we're missing? No, just save it for the mailbag that we're apparently going to do like next week. Over under Aaron Rodgers shows up on June 8th. I'm going to take the, optimistic over because I don't want to think about it if he doesn't show up. <laughs> you know, them some moolah if he doesn't. Uh, but again, that's not what this episode is about. We need to plug some things before we wrap up. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Lots we do. Of- yeah. So we'll start with the live show. We yes. canceled it this week. We're sorry. Um, traveling. I adopted a cat. Uh, it was a lot. So we're going to go June 8th. It's going to be a really interesting show. It's going to be cathartic or like. Yes. <laughs> so I think it'll be good. It'll still be Tuesday. It'll still be 6 p.m. Lambo time. Yep. Nothing's changed except the week. Um, the additional thing is that Maggie and I started a PAX, which she said Twitch. We did our first Twitch while we were grilling together in Kenosha. It was super fun. It was quick. Um, We'll probably do longer ones. I think we'd like to make it that our lives uh, run through Twitch as well. So you have another platform on top of StreamYard, YouTube, Periscope, etc. So follow us on Twitch. It's just packs what she said, I believe. Yeah, without Um, the apostrophe. Right. And we're going to do some other like more kind of personal fun stuff. So we'll get, you know, a Maggie basement tour (laughs) um, because she has so many um, 
like amazing memorabilia. The, the, your background, it doesn't even do your basement justice. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, some stories that, you know, Maggie has more than I do about like meeting players like Jerry Kramer (laughs) and Justin McRae. So Twitch will be fun. And I think it's just a little bit more personal and a little bit, um, more informal. And so we'll hopefully be doing some more streams there. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, but you can follow Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast. And yeah, keep an eye out for all the fun stuff we have planned. We'll be in Green Bay for a training camp. Uh, we'll at least be at the Texans preseason game. We'll be doing a bunch of other stuff with a ton of different content creators. So August will be a very busy month for us, uh, two months away. So keep an eye out on all the social channels for all the fun things that we have coming. But thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down.